0: How do product designers, UX researchers, and learning designers work together? I'm excited to dive into this topic with three guests from the team at BrainPop. We touch on having varied experiences before working in product design, including the role of science teacher, which is close to my heart since that's also in my background. And then we spend most of our time diving into the collaborative work of cross-functional teams, and the extra concerns that edtech teams have in this this space of education, students, teachers, and all the key players in that space. We cover some portfolio and hiring tips, and the guests mention some of their favorite resources for their disciplines. If you're new to the podcast, you'll find many episodes on the topics of UX design and research, edtech, educators moving into this space, and design education, especially in the K-12 sector. I'd love to connect with you on Twitter at UX underscore edtech, and definitely subscribe so you don't miss what's coming. Let's just say I'm really excited about the episodes coming up. All right, let's jump into BrainPop and how their design, research, and learning designers work together. Welcome to the UX of EdTech podcast, an exploration of user experience in the EdTech space. I'm your host, Alicia Kwan, and I look forward to learning with you today.
1: Hi, uh, my name is John Rong. I am a product designer at BrainPop, and um, I am on the growth and commerce team. I'm currently also helping out the marketing team, helping them build out the adult-facing site of BrainPop. I am also passionate about um, education. I used to be a high school chemistry teacher. It's been really great trying to make that connection between education and design.
2: Thanks, John. (laughs) Hi, I'm Alicia. I am a product designer also at BrainPop. I am currently working on um, the, the shaping the UX and the UI for BrainPop Science, which is new product for um, BrainPop and something that I am passionate about. Well, like work-wise, I'm passionate about creating services and products um, that can help improve people's lives.
3: That's so awesome. Thanks, y'all. My name is Ilana Weiss. I am a learning designer and user researcher at BrainPop. I work um, on the science project as well, both doing the learning design for one of the features, 3D Worlds, which is an interactive three to five minute virtual experience where students go in to sort of answer a driving question that can be sort of a little bit like a mystery um, and everything's running the whole time. So students kind of have to um, sort of stop and start and make choices about what they're going to see and they're not going to see it all. And that's to encourage conversation around scientific phenomenon after the experience. And I also support the user research team also on science, so I get the really cool opportunity to work closely with product designers, product, um, and other learning designers to test the things that we're making. Work-wise, I'm really passionate about user-centered design and data and user-informed product development.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Well, I'm just thrilled to speak to all of you today. And we're spanning across product design, UX research, and learning design at BrainPOP this tech company. And I think that your positions that you all just listed alone imply the complexities of designing in the education space, right? There's a lot to consider on both the student-facing side and for the teacher and admin and for everyone else who interacts with the product. So happy to chat through this today. But first, I wanted to start with your journey. John, um, could you just briefly describe your teaching years and how you transitioned into UX and product design?
1: Sure. So I taught high school chemistry for about three years, everything from on-level to pre-AP to AP chemistry. And um, yeah, first three years, I think just like most most teach, first-year teachers uh, was definitely difficult. But um, yeah, I think as I started to learn more and um, Feel more confident in in teaching and um about the material and it started to become a lot more natural and throughout my teaching process i al- was always interested in trying to find tools that helped make my teaching easier more effective um helped me find materials <laughs> more quickly so i could get more sleep um, and so it definitely appreciated those tools um and so after a few years a friend introduced ux to me and um, i started to learn more about it and as i started to learn the basics i I started to see a lot of connections between teaching and design and i just realized that as a teacher i had been developing skills in ux the whole time i I think as uh, i'd say every teacher is a UX designer, you're, you're creating experiences for hundreds of users, and you're trying to uh, users with all with very short attention spans. Um, teachers have to write questions to to try to understand how their students are engaged and how much material they actually uh, remember. And then there's and there's also just a lot of feedback that you get from students. Um, of course, as a first year teacher, I Messed up a lot, uh, but the beauty of teaching is that you always have the next. First of all, that the kids are are always uh, forgiving, and they don't know any better. But also, um, I-, I get to try again next period, and those kids, yeah, just ultimately get a better experience. And the next, the next day, and the next year, my teaching just kept on improving. So
0: isn't that funny how the earlier period students have. Totally, a totally different experience than than the the students at the end of the day. I I Absolutely. would always I would always tell them. Sorry, sorry about this. You're the first ones running through this. It's yeah, but it, to your point though, you know, you're pivoting. You're constantly yeah making changes and iterating.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then after I had um, got introduced to to UX, I ended up uh, starting to create a portfolio, and um, ended up creating some case studies and. Uh, Got my first design gig at Accenture uh, at a studio there where I worked for about three years. And uh, funny enough, ended up doing a lot of work around A-B testing and experimentation, which, again, was really close to my heart because of my science background. And um, yeah, after a few years of that, I really wanted to get into get back into the ed tech, I wanted to build those tools that made my life as a teacher easier and um, made my students more engaged. And um, yeah, and my next in my last season and actually just um, I started at BrainPop only a couple months ago, but um, even just through that job process, I I was really laser focused on um, working at places that uh, I knew that I had benefited greatly from
0: yeah and can I ask as a as a follow-up when you were learning what what was your learning route were you um, did you participate in like a boot camp or, or something along those lines did you just kind of more go the self-taught route and work on case studies and and projects
1: sure yeah I went through the, the self-taught route I watched a lot of YouTube videos <laughs> um I, I had a mentor that I, that I had really encouraged me to I just find a website that I thought looked nice and just from scratch, just play around with it and see and naturally build those, those uh, skills and pattern and recognize those patterns. So, um, yeah, self-taught.
0: Great. And was that kind of going on in the background as you were teaching too? Like, were you teaching and then like, you know, learning UX at night or?
1: Yeah, it was, um, spring semester. I taught during the day and, um, Started to learn learn in the evenings and um, on the weekends.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay, great. Well, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I know um, a lot of people who listen to this podcast, they uh, share a similar teaching background. And so it's always interesting to me how people discover that and then how they moved over. Um, Alicia, I noticed that you have a master's degree in creative writing and journalism. Can you share with us how you moved into UX and and product design also given that background?
2: Sure. Well, um, so it was actually while I was in um, grad school for that program that I got into UX and and product design. So, um, I went to school at, um, NYU, I was part of the NYU Gallatin, um, studies program and I was right next door to Tish. Um, their NYU ITP program, and there was a lot of startups that kind of like sprang out of there, um, and a good amount of startups that sprang out of there were startups that uh, ended up getting like incubated in BetaWorks, which is a um, which is like a startup incubator when I was when I was a part of it, um, and that's where I um, started to get more of like my feet wet into um, in UX and product design. Also, while doing that, so I was working for a startup. <laughs> I was also part of Design for America, which is a student-led organization. Um, that um, and and what I really like about it is that it's a multidisciplinary group. So we had engineers, we had people from like product who were studying product management, and a variety of other different backgrounds coming together to use tools to design for social good. And then I jumped from there into a bunch of other different cool UX and product opportunities, and then landed here at Brainpop.
0: Awesome. I, I love it. I love the diverse backgrounds that people come from um, until they they kind of land at their, their current role. It's awesome. And Ilana, I'm, I'm fascinated by your role as a learning designer. Um, I know that your title includes learning designer and UX research. So could you just describe what you do at BrainPop and how your role intersects with UX research as well?
3: Absolutely. Um, so I spoke a little earlier about the particulars of the 3D world feature for the science team that I have been working on. But I think kind of higher level um, as a learning designer, I work with um, folks on the learning design team to think strongly about what is the the learning that we're trying to get across or the learning goals for both students and teachers, right? You know, um, John was mentioning earlier, sort of this like adult facing version of BrainPop too. So BrainPop's really operating with um, teachers as an audience, admin as audiences, two sec- sections of adult audience, and um, also students. And so we're really looking at what are the learning goals that we want? And then how can we create that experience using both content and design um, elements to to really make that come to life? And so there's a really important collaboration, I think, that happens across learning design, product development, and user research. Um, And I think for me, Sort of when my background, I got my master's in technology, innovation and education at uh, the Harvard Graduate School for Education. And it just sort of became clear to me that, you know, in order to do sort of educational media um, in a way that really hit those learning outcomes, you really needed to know your end user well. Um, And that's sort of where I sort of stumbled into UX research, because for me, I think um, being a successful learning designer really means understanding your end user and understanding what their pain points are and what their perspectives are, and then coming back to the team with that information and saying, okay, how can we combine our learning goals with um, all these fabulous product design skills and, um, you know, technical limitations, the rest of the team to to really make something come to life. Um, And so I think it's, I sort of found myself in a unique place at BrainPop where I was not only able to create the content alongside folks like John and Alicia, but also then to go and talk to teachers and students and actually test that content to see um, what they had to say and you know, take those findings back to the team to say, okay, now that we have some insights from our end users, what are we going to do? Um, how are we going to integrate this into our product?
0: Yeah. What you say is really interesting to me because I think a lot of people that are looking into UX design or product design or UX research and are coming from an actual teaching background, I think that maybe, and I'm just gonna kind of throw this out there as an idea, I would love people's, you know, feedback or write me or ping me, but I I feel like people are actually looking for a role like yours, you know, Ilana, um, a learning design role where you're really involved in in the content and making those decisions, but you're also Really tied to having a lot of those conversations, like you said, where you're you're talking to um, the the users as well. And I just think it's it's an amazing role, (laughs) first of all. And and I think that um, I I would love to see um, more exposure to those looking for that type of role. Just more exposure of it. And I know that in the industry, you know, there's different titles. I don't know if by chance you've come across other uh, job titles that you would say pretty much equate to your role as well like other things instead of learning designer can you think of anything else that it's called in the industry or that you've seen as you've you know looked across different companies
3: yeah I think some folks call this um instructional design too is another name for it um interactive design sometimes can be depending on the company some of my role some of John and Alicia's role also just depending on the the company in general um I also think it's important to look at company culture and what the company values. So BrainPop has worked really hard to elevate UX research and make sure that UX research is also intertwined in the product development lifecycle. And the current user research team has really advocated for this close partnership with product design. And I think that even if you don't necessarily find yourself in a in a place that has a sort of dual role of getting both to talk to your end users and doing that content design, looking for companies that really value doing research and integrating and not just doing research, but then integrating it back into the product, because there's definitely can be some tension sometimes between the the timeline of things and how fast, you know, you need to create and do things and and the research timeline. But that's why that close communication between the product design team, user research, and also product management is so, so crucial. Um, And so like looking for companies, you know, a, those titles, but B, those companies that have those values and systems in place, I think is a great way to sort of find um, folks who are doing that kind of work.
0: Yeah, that's that's really great advice. That's a good point to look at the culture. I know for titles I've seen um, probably um, similar to maybe learning experience design as well, and you mentioned instructional design. Um, oh, yeah, I've sure. even seen, you know, content design actually... Kind of being tied to some of those those roles that you're you're doing as well. Again, depending on the company. So yeah, interesting and important to look into. Okay, what's behind that title? What's what is that company about? And and you mentioned that BrainPop really is um, has you know UX research kind of at the center, and that that team itself has has advocated for that. And I've heard that in other conversations. Do you mind just briefly touching on that? What, what do you mean by um, UX research? Is that that team has really advocated to? to partner and be a part of the, the product life cycle.
3: Definitely. And I just want to first give a shout out to the, to those folks on that team because they did a lot of this leg work before I got there. And so by the time that I came into brain pop, like user research was already a huge part of that process, but I think sometimes it, um, The process that I've typically seen with it is sort of making a business case for user research, which can sometimes seem a little challenging. Because, like I said, I think there can be this perception that user research is um, expensive and time costly, and like, what does it really get you at the end of the day? And I mean, you know, even companies who are like, oh, like I know it it gets me important things. Um, Do I do I have the time to do it? And the answer is absolutely. There's a way to to integrate user research. There's a way to do quick studies, um, especially when you get the chance to collaborate with great people. you can do the work so much faster. So what that meant for BrainPop was first doing smaller studies with groups, working with across teams, project management, product design, um, and then really showing the outcomes of that research. How did that research get integrated into a design? And then what was the impact later on? What did users say about a feature? there's a couple of uh, there's a great example at BrainPOP with a, a blog post written by Taya Hogarth, who's now our associate director of user research, who talks about the co-teacher's feature, where we really, for example, um, found, identified an issue at BrainPOP where you know co-teachers wanted more functionality. Quick research was done. We were able to see how that got integrated to the product, and then afterwards, after it was launched, was we were able to see the the positive teacher response. Um, so while that happened a little later on in in sort of the process of BrainPOP's. Um, user research journey, I think show, that example really shows kind of how you can structure starting to build that investment case or return on interest case for higher-ups in terms of um, those, creating those, and, and also getting those relationships. Again, I can't stress between UX or, and product design or learning design and project, manage, project and product management, excuse me, are so important. Um, you know, lately we've been doing a lot of research with product design that has been um, really awesome. And I think we'll talk about this a little later, but like Alicia and I have definitely collaborated really closely on science research before and being able to share that load together, at least, you know, love to hear your your thoughts, John and Alicia on this too, of course, but has really made a big difference in our ability to do research and also for folks to feel the value of that research.
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd just like to add, um, I think what, what the UX research team has also advocated for that uh, my team, gro- the growth and commerce team, have started to implement is the idea of learning cards. Um, in the past, in the, in the where, where I've worked, uh, I think research can a lot of the times get lost within decks and documents. And it's hard to consolidate them all into one place. And uh, recently, we started to implement these consumer learning cards where it's just been a single source of truth where um, we have all of our findings in a single air table and um, we can really rely on those to make informed decisions especially on um, how we want to take this new marketing site um, what are the different what are the different values that are that administrators and teachers and parents are interested in. And that just really adds a lot more depth and um, evidence based on, to to back the decisions that we're making. So um, yeah, that's been another really nice addition um, and a a nice uh, piece that the research team has provided for for my team.
2: I would like to, to add on to this discussion about the value of design as well too. Um, design and um, research collaboration. Um, so, part, one of the um, things that stood out to me when coming to BrainPop um, in my talks with Brain Poppers was um, the value of research. That's really important to me as as well. In like my my previous positions, what I always found was like that research and design um, works really well together to make sure that the thing you're creating is actually the thing people want and the thing people need. Um, Also, thinking back to my time as working as like a service designer in in government for like the the city of New York, it's always very important to actually hear from the people who are going to be using your your product, and not only that, to have them participate in the process of actually creating the product that they want. So being able to collaborate closely um, with research to be able to be like, hey, we have this idea, can we test it? And also to like, um, not only like and to test early and to try to test as often as we can has been really important.
0: I love this, I love this. And so in the spirit of collaboration, let's dive into that a little bit more. I'd love to understand what it's like to work on products at BrainPop and specifically how your product teams work together. I don't know if you have any specific examples. I know that you've alluded to a lot already. And really, I'm really curious, how how do the learning designers and product designers work together? it maybe even it might help to share what one does that the other doesn't, um, or or yeah, how they they come together. But learning design, product design, how does how does that work?
3: Um, well, I'm I'm happy to kick things off for a second. Just say like when you say like what does one thing do that the other one doesn't? Like, um, I feel like I spend a lot of my time thinking about you know learning outcomes and learning gains, looking at the research, what's needed, what's you know that intersection between user and product goal, um, and then I feel like I. So and, and some learning designers, let me say, do have a, a better sort of visual design aesthetic or like page design, but I I personally is not my strong suit. So something that I'll do is I'll be like, <laughs> I have this idea, I have this vision, you know. Can you help me make this come to life? How can we use a web page or an app or you know, some feature to, to help enhance these learning goals here? And and while I might have some ideas, I really lean heavily on product design to to help guide in that sense because I feel like the product design folks at BrainPop just really have that sense of like visual layout and how um, the finer details of how a page is constructed and how every little detail can really help enhance the learning. And so I feel like, you know, it's not, you know, product has a great sense of learning goals and outcomes too, but like they really have this strong sense, you know, Alicia and John about how to make that come to life on on a and I just keep saying web page because that's sort of what we're working on at the moment, and that's something that I feel like is not something the learning design team thinks about as much. They're like, this is what we want to do, but we take it to product design to like make it come to life and happen.
2: I, I also think you know, lot like, it's part of the joy of it too. Is like, I have an idea, and how can we make this work? Um, I think that's that's like part of the, like the, the the magic that like I experience is like it's optimism and and joy that comes into or at least my experiences with like collaborating with learning design is like, like we have these learning outcomes and how can we shape um, this like experience? But basically we're, we're working together to shape an experience of like, not only like when they land on that page, but how they think like, thinking also about the process of how they get to that page and then the experience afterwards as well, too. So it's not just landing on that page, but, but the experience around that page as well, too, that we're trying to shape.
3: Oh, that's such a good call out about the whole journey, Alicia.
0: Yeah, I'd love to, to hear how you're, you're in partnership and it's yeah this give and take and and how you're working together to create that overall experience um it's it's fun you know to think about that from um, a collaboration standpoint to to work on these different angles and to know that someone's really really um zoomed in and focused on one aspect and then um at the same time knowing that all ideal all ideas are welcome um, and someone might be more of an expert or literally that's their job is to focus on that but I'm sure you know there's some pretty awesome I don't know maybe some design sprint activities or or collaboration activities that you guys do that really um, facilitate all ideas so that's that's really interesting to to think about that and um, when it comes to designing in the education space do you have, any advice on those doing design and research and ed tech? Any advice for those um, who have to think about the space?
2: Um, one thing I would say is advice is always ask questions. Um, and I found in every industry, there's always a good amount of acronyms. There's always going to be something you don't know. Um, and it, it's best to be open to the fact that you are not going to know everything. It's OK. Um, so a- ask questions.
1: I think along with that, um, ask questions, even when you think you have an idea of it, I think, uh, especially I I was lucky enough to help out with the the marketing page for science. And so and as a former science teacher, I was like, Oh, I know, I know all the answers here. I know exactly what they're what they're um, looking for. And uh, I think there is, there is some value to that. But um, trying to keep keep that in check. And Really, um, listen listen to uh, what the the researchers are saying. What the people who have the tribal knowledge like trust trust them as well. Um, but also feel, and I think especially with my team, I'm definitely comfortable with with sharing what what I have to. So,
3: I think those are. Yes, just great points. Like asking questions is so important. And I think also I'd say get feedback early. Um, I know it can be kind of scary showing unfinished work. um, And that's something that was definitely a challenge in the past. But I I find especially when it comes to the strength of the collaboration, you know, sometimes you're you're hitting your head against the wall a little bit thinking like, oh, how am I going to solve this from a content point of view? We're really um, at least from the like the learning design experience, you know, how are we going to make this teacher guide or, you know, how are we going to make sure the student has the right prompt that they need? And it turns out that, you know, coming to product design earlier really helps facilitate that ability for us to, you know, that joy that Alicia was talking about with creating and collaborating together where not all, you know, you your one team doesn't have to solve the whole problem alone. And I think especially being in the pandemic, it's been easier to accidentally fall into silos um, as opposed to, you know, when we were, in the office, the science team in particular, we had one room that all the cross-functional teams who were all working on science worked on together, and the collaboration was just so instantaneous there. And we've done a lot to keep that up. but certainly with things more slack only, um, that can be a, a challenge. And so I think like you know as as much as it's okay to show work early and also say like, hey, this isn't the kind of feedback you know, I'm not looking for word in line feedback right here, but how, how does this feel as a vibe? Like what, are we going in the right direction? And so that like more frequent check-ins I think can just be so helpful.
0: Ilana, can you tell me a little bit more about this, the science room? Yeah. It just kind of fascinates me this, this collaborative space of, of the science team. And then I imagine there's space for what, all the different subjects or? Uh, Yeah. So the science team was, uh, One of the lucky
3: ones to sort of embark on this new squad structure is what it's called at BrainPop, where um, we sort of divided in sort of these projects or squads. And so they actually converted an old conference room called the Tim Conference Room. And if you're familiar with BrainPop, that's one of our characters. And it's one of the larger conference rooms into this kind of cross-disciplinary space where all of us could collaborate together. So we had lots of whiteboards, lots of sticky notes, lots of physical materials to brainstorm together. Um, Since then, we use uh, things like Miro and Jamboard. Um, I always joke that it's not a UXR share out if there isn't a Miro board involved for us to work together. So we've definitely found some digital solutions. Um, but something else very cool that I think BrainPop did overall was um, they have this space in their the office that's called the Creative Cave. And that is another space for anybody to go in who needs like some brainstorm time or collaboration time uh, to go and check in together and create together.
0: I love it. I love the the squad structure. Um, I think that's super valuable. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, I noticed that there are multiple roles um, where BrainPop is hiring and even, you know, some of the the science team roles at at this time that we're recording. I'd love to hear if you had any tips on portfolios, resumes, and the hiring process for both product and learning designers.
1: Sure. I I can start things off since I'm... (laughs) probably the most, most uh, recent and going through that process. Um, i say my advice would be recognize your audience for people who are reading your portfolios. You know, typically the first round is just hiring manager looking at it who may not have, um, may not be super knowledgeable in technical things and only has maybe like a, a couple of minutes to, to look through it. And so uh, I really, at least on my portfolio, really, look to create it in a way that was easily scannable. That even if you hit hit the main headlines, you can get a pretty good idea of what what the project and what my process was. Um, so I'd say that was my first. Um, that would be my first tip. Another one that I re- read about and started to incorporate was to create a what I call like a playground, where you just place whatever you, whatever side project or imperfect thing that you are working on. And um, yeah, just put it all in, in a single page. And um, I, I did some, some, uh, I looked on my Squarespace to look at the analytics and that, like that page seemed to get quite a bit of traffic. And I think it's just this idea of like wanting to get into a peak of of um, not only the visual skills, but also um, anything else that interests interests you. So I, I put pictures of, of, of like my own photography and um, just ways to try to create a space for organized chaos and, and show show off your creativity.
3: I feel like from a learning design perspective, something that um, has helped me is like, first of all, I think like if you are a teacher, you are also a learning designer. Um, you you are somebody who's responsible for, for teaching folks and for curating lessons. And sometimes I think there can be this disconnect of like, well, I haven't made um, a digital app before. I haven't worked in ed tech in particular. And I, I would still strongly encourage those folks to apply to roles because especially ed tech companies, I think if I may say so broadly, really value that teacher perspective and prior teachers, you know, the, those are the folks who they're serving in large part along with students. And so they want that perspective. And so I think sometimes there can be that barrier. Um, and actually, it's a great asset. Um, and the other thing that I feel from a learning design perspective is being able to, to demonstrate sort of what your process is from going from either problem statement or product idea to knowing your end user and then sort of what your design process looks like has been something that not just, you know, BrainPop values, but other companies as well. You know, I I personally don't have a science background um, and I have really relied heavily on our fabulous science writers at BrainPop to who are the SMEs or the subject matter experts for the things that I write um, and also some external advisors. But I think sort of what the way I... Came to be in this role is, a I sort of have this background in interactive writing, which is important for this feature. But B also, I, I have a sense of um, how folks have learned, you know, learned over time how folks learn and and what's needed for learning and being able to demonstrate that process. You know, Brain Pop was willing to say, okay, maybe you're not a science expert, but you understand learning, so we're gonna bring you on. And and so I think also, if you're a learning designer, an instructional designer, a content designer, what have you, some places really are looking for that expertise in the particular content and other places are more invested in your process. So being able to both highlight, to, excuse me, to highlight both parts or where you have those strengths or where you might need to learn, but where you have strengths in another area, I think is really important.
2: Following off of what Ilana and John said, yes, definitely show your process. Um, And, and don't, and also don't be afraid to, to show, show a bit about you, like show your personality. I think that's really important as well. Also, I think, um, like not only show like how you've done something, but also why you've done something. I think that's a very interesting piece to show, um, in, in your portfolio. And also, um, if you can share about like, what was the outcome of it? Like, how did it go? Um, even if it wasn't as successful as you wanted it to be like, share your outcome, um, Share what, what, what you learned, what did you hope to learn. I think those are very interesting pieces to have as part of a portfolio as well too, because that shows that you have you thought through the process, you evaluated it, um, and um, you learned from it. And I think those are valuable assets to have in someone on the team, as, as valuable assets to have in, in a teammate.
3: Alicia, that just made me think about like the power of storytelling, which is something that I think we all strongly believe in, in our various elements of design. And I think like telling what stories can you tell about yourself or about your work, successes, failures, the whys, the hows um, really resonate with folks.
0: Great advice. Thank you a ton for for sharing that. I loved um, those different nuggets there. It's, it's really, really good. Um, I want to close with a, a different question that I typically don't close with, but I'm curious. With your different backgrounds, what is one of your favorite resources that has really helped you in your discipline? So, you know, UX, product design, research, learning design. Um, I'm I'm curious what would be a favorite resource that you would want to pass off to someone, or maybe it's even you know not conventionally geared towards your discipline, but you you really Um, gained a lot from it and you found value in your current discipline from that resource and love to to hear your thoughts on that
2: see it's hard for me to just choose one particular resource Um, that's that's hard um see one thing that um has been interesting as like a good resource is twitter i admit twitter it's a great resource you can find interesting people and you can um, also like dive into interesting topics. So like, I follow trends on like UX research through Twitter um, and find people, find their resources they're offering. Um, I, I keep in touch with, I, on like what people like are doing in like government and service design. Um, yeah, that's, that's, one, that's one outlet beyond like some other resources on the web. I, I tend to like try to find people and, and see what they're doing. So... Twitter and other resources.
3: Yeah, I feel like networking and you know, cold emailing folks on LinkedIn sometimes actually or following up with folks from conferences can be a great way. Um, I'm going to suggest a a book because you know I, I love to read, and there's this series called A Book Apart, and they're about 90 to 120 pages books on various elements of research and design. And I'm currently reading. Um, design for Cognitive Bias by David Dylan Thomas, which talks so much about how we can design ethically and equitably. And um, I also read one of the, um, another book in the series on, like, series on like an introduction to user research and sort of like how you can bring user research to your company even if you aren't a user researcher. So I know that's technically two, but they are both a book apart. Um, and I think that that series overall has, is just really incredible for getting little. Bite-sized nuggets of of wisdom, and again, because there is this strong overlap between product design, UX research, and um, learning design, I think that these books really help serve anybody who's in, you know, involved in the process in that in that sort of way. Um, so yeah, I think finding folks, finding what they've written, and and those that series would be my recommendation. I second that too.
1: Uh, I'm definitely gonna have to check out that that book. You're gonna have to slack that. me (laughs) uh alana but i think one again it's i I agree with alicia it's hard to to find to pinpoint one thing but one website that i really like and i'm excited whenever i get an email uh whenever they they have something new is a website called reallygoodux.io um and they just share a couple screenshots and and really talk through um and highlight the flow of like a particular app or a website and just really focus in on why is this onboarding experience really good um why is this um modal really nice and they really talk through a lot of the process and um yeah that's always that's always really helpful to, to hear from other people why, why the experience that they're seeing is good and why they made certain design decisions. Um, I think to piggyback off of the, the cold LinkedIn um, adding, I, I also like to lurk through other people's portfolios too, just to, to get some ideas of my own, but also just really see what other people's processes are. So um, yeah, those are, those are a couple of, of my
0: resources. Awesome. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. And, and yeah, just to kind of wrap up, thanks for your, your time and really fleshing out more of what this, this collaborative environment at BrainPop is like. Um, I'm really I'm fascinated by it and what you mentioned earlier about the squad structure and all of it. I just, I just love it. So thanks for coming on and sharing that and for our listeners. Check out show notes for ways to connect with the three of our guests and um, some links to, to reach out to them or just follow follow their work and what they're doing. Um, and there, there are other links to, to several things there. There's a newer article publication sharing content on UX designer research in the edtech space. So make sure to check that out. And there's an email series on exploring UX in education that some of you might find interesting Please reach out if you have any perspectives or stories to share, find me on Twitter or Instagram at UX underscore edtech or on LinkedIn as Alicia Kwan. This is the UX of EdTech podcast, an exploration of user experience in the education technology space. I look forward to learning with you next time.